first time investors, you definitely have to know when to enter. You have to. Because right now, I have people saying, hey man, I want to construct. I want, they're not lending for construction right now. Unleash a winner's mindset. This podcast is meant to help people who feel stuck and want to step to the next level. It's time to break bad habits and find the mindset needed to live your best life. With Chris with Unleash, you will get tips and advice in making better and healthier choices. Without further ado, let's get into today's episode. What's going on, you guys? Your boy, Chris Unleash, coming to you live here on Facebook with my boy, Aaron Gonzalez. He's one of the ambassadors here in Laredo, Texas. He actually recently became a realtor. He's been in a... He's been an, uh, an investor for some time. Aaron, I want you to tell me a little more about that in regard of investing, man. How long have you been doing this for? Investing in real estate, it started in 2019. Okay. Yeah. It was, uh, the way it started off was uh, I've been shadowing uh, construction uh, since, since as long as I can remember, like since 2012. Since yeah. after high school, I've been shadowing uh, my dad with construction. Okay. So I knew that. When I finished college, I was going to start constructing as well. Yeah. So when I finished, uh, I graduated in 2017 with a bachelor's in civil engineering. Okay. So I immediately went to work. I worked in San Antonio for about six months. I made my salary job was paying me like about like four grand a month. Yeah. So given the five months I was there, I saved about 15K. Okay. Uh, I quickly realized that in San Antonio, as much as I wanted to invest in a bigger city uh, with what I was making to what the price of construction, land, commercial, it was way too expensive to what I was making as an engineer. So I brought that money to Laredo, and here I was able to buy land uh, at about like $9 a square foot. So my first piece of property, uh, single lot, was 59000 Okay, and from there, so you bought you bought the the land, right? And then what was the construction part? How much was that that you invested into the construction? So for given that I put the twenty percent down when I bought the land, yeah. um, after paying it off, I used the land as collateral for a construction loan. So for the construction loan, I didn't have to put anything in; just the land used as collateral. They you leverage it. So putting in the land is like me putting in 20%, yeah. and the bank puts in the 80% for construction. Okay. So I put up essentially 60K, and they were able to lend me 240000 Okay, yeah. So t- tell me about this. Like, As far as how many um, complexes or apartments do you currently have right now? I mean, from 2019 to 2022. Right now, I have two complexes, okay. uh, four units each, and right now I have two vacant lots. That in May I'm going to be building eight more units. That's exciting, man. Because I mean, as far as like, like a lot of us really don't know where to start when it comes to investing, where to go, what to do. Now, I mean, luckily the the, the blessful part is that you've had guidance and a mentor to teach you on how to get there, right? But I mean, at the end of it, you're still putting the hustle, you're still putting in the work. Um, before before Aaron came in to the room to talk about uh, in regards for today's interview, I asked him what his daily activity today was. He's recently became 
a licensed real estate agent just like myself um but he's more experienced on the investing side Aaron. so i want you to once again talk to me about what your day was like today in or the lifestyle or the day of the investor today right i mean there's more that i know that you do but i want you to tell me about what your day was like today so what my day looks like uh right now with investments in real estate um when you start off in the morning, 8, 9 a.m., I check the stock market every single morning. Even though that you people might not make the tie between real estate and the stock market, there's a huge tie. There's a big tie. Tell me about that. So what tie do you, like, is there from the stock? Because, I mean, I know the stock market plays. But, I mean, when you tell me stock market, I'm thinking Apple. I'm think, Of course, I'm thinking real estate. I'm thinking all these companies. But you look at the stock market that has more to do with real estate. What is it that like correlates with that? So the the constant observation of the stock market in the morning, it lets you know what the common person is interested in. It lets you know, because the market is what everyone invests in. Everyone has a Roth IRA, an index fund, um, just money in Robinhood. Every, the people who are investing that feel like they don't have enough money for real estate, these are the outlets that they look at. So when I go into the stock market and when i monitor it daily i'm seeing okay what is the common person interested in are they do they have a lot of money right now or do they have like um you know not many options when people are scared they'll invest in blue chip stocks your apple your tesla they'll invest in what's safe because what does that let you know they're scared of the market absolutely when it was covid and i was observing the stock market it was all over the place. Volatility up and right because people in an instant would liquefy their assets and go buy real estate during, during when COVID first happened. So even though people don't uh, necessarily correlate the two, that's just a common indicator of what the common people are doing. So during the COVID time, everybody was buying houses. Everybody became investors, flippers. Everybody was like, yeah, I do this. And, and TikTok was blowing up. Yeah. Like, how to, how to start like today. Yeah. Um, and now, well, now you're seeing the scared. Everyone's scared. Interest is up. Because of the recession, everyone's freaking out because as far as like the interest rates are up, you know, real estate market, all of that stuff is all over the place. Because this goes back, I guess, into into balance, right? It's like kind of even what goes up must come down and et cetera. But going back, like, so when you open the, the stock market, like, do you look at specific um, companies or, or like, how do you see, what do you see, what do you look for when you open the stock market? So when I open the stock market, I'm looking for two things. One, I look at uh, um, REITs, which is a, a real estate uh, investment trust. Th- those are people who invest in, in like commercial real estate that don't necessarily buy property, but they're investing in like these management firms and they invest in real estate. Because uh, somebody who has like $1,000, well, they can't buy land, but they can buy, you know, the REITs and they can invest in that. So the reason I'm looking at that is because you want to constantly see a steady trend. Those are stocks that are always supposed to be steady because they pay dividends. Right, right. So I have like, I look at, oh, I look at a few of them. And if I'm seeing like steadiness, like month over month, that's good. That's very good. And you're not supposed to see crazy volatility the day that you open it and there's like like it's all over the place something's going on in the market you need to start doing research what happened 
like did interest rate just hike up 0.75 percent like it was doing last year every two months it was spiking so what's going on those are the indicators the day-to-day indicators that you have to constantly see because people are always saying no well you got to time the market you got to time the market in real estate there is the most important timing of real estate a lot of people think that oh it's a long-term game and it is but first-time investors you definitely have to know when to enter you have to because right now i have people saying hey man i want to construct i want they're not lending for construction right now yeah banks right now are very anal to lend any money to anybody right now you can't you can't work with banks right now they're not and the only way they will approve you is because either they have history with you they know you pay and since interest is so high well they win Exactly. And you also have to have a certain amount of assets that are pretty much going to allow for that. If there's yeah. no assets, there's nothing to cover it, like there's a very low chance. I know for our banks right now getting loans and everything, it's just before they were giving money away like nothing. And now it's like, nah, I got to get I got I got to get my share and I got to make sure you'll cover my share. Yeah. Right. So that's why I check the stock market. Um, and that's what I do like in the morning. So I do that real quick. I'll see any news. I know over the weekend we had the, the collapse of uh, Silicon Valley Bank that happened on Friday. Then we had Signature, a New York bank that crashed on, that closed its door on Monday. So a lot of people started freaking out. And so when I, what I do is I, okay, why? What's going on? What's exactly happening? And how does it affect me? And that little bit of research that I do in the mornings just to keep me updated with current events. It's very important. I know the average person doesn't have you know over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in deposits i know that but i am an asset manager and the client that i do manage he has over seven hundred thousand dollars in 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 cash so i have to make sure that his assets are um secured and they're in the right accounts and stuff like that so that's what like my morning consists like the current news what's going on does it affect me and is this an opportunity for a move? And we're looking at what, like 7 a.m. to 9 a.m., 10 a.m.? Or, or Yeah, yeah. By, by a good hour and a half is more than enough to check up on current events. By 10, um, I started doing um, my spreadsheets. I have several Excel spreadsheets on the 18 properties that I manage. And I started looking at how much. So we're already mid-month. So most of the rents have already come in. So the income has already come in. So now I start looking at the expenses per month. And what I do during this time till around lunch, I'm just seeing like, hey, why was this water bill so high? Hey, now that we've been with this company for a couple of years, um, can I renegotiate or deal with them to kind of lower the price, lower the expenses? That's actually a, a, a very good topic that you hit, man. Because, I mean, there's something that never really crosses my mind or anyone to say, like, when it comes to utilities or so, like, do you make a deal with the city? Like, hey, I have a certain amount of properties, so I'm going to bring you a certain amount of services or income for you guys. So can you make me a deal? Or they tell you, like, no, each one you're going to pay regular. So unfortunately, the city of Laredo doesn't really work with you on that. These, these would be private entities. Like for trash, you just have two guys here. It's Southern and Trash Co. So you only really have two options. So th- there can't be too much negotiating. But light, it's like a thousand light companies. Right. So, so uh, there is a lot of light companies. But in this case, since you have these properties, do you pay the light or do they? Or is it the company pays own light while the tenants still pay their own light? Correct. Yeah. So we pay the light of like the exterior and they pay their individual units. Okay. And then there's insurance. 
So there's a lot of insurance companies. You got to make sure you have the right property insurance, umbrella coverage, liability insurance. You always got to make sure your insurance is up to date. How many insurances do you need for one property? Whenever you finance the property, like you didn't buy a cash, you financed it with the bank, you automatically need property insurance that covers hail, flood, storm. It has to cover that. Right. Um, that's like the bare bones. That's all you need. Yeah. That's all you need. The attorneys, the insurance agent will tell you, get liability insurance. Because it is important. Because uh, Anything can happen. Anything could happen. Um, and it's at that point, it's more of a negotiation with them. Like you said, hey, I have like 16 properties. Can we work a deal? And then it works the deal. For first-time investors, I wouldn't worry so much about liability insurance. I would kind of uh, just get the property insurance because that covers like pretty much what's really going to happen, especially because first-time investors will buy like a house or like uh, fourplex or smaller. Right. Like they'll buy something like that. With the property insurance, you're pretty good. Um, the liability, unless you're willing to spend the extra 150 200 bucks a month, then by all means get it and we, we spoke about this last time in regards of like the loans type of loans right so like let's say someone new wants to get investing because i mean uh it, it goes i know that there's the interest is higher when someone already owns a property and they want to invest for the first time into um a duplex right because yeah. then the interest is going to be higher you already own a property though you may have an asset interest is still higher because you're already paying this right um going like i, I guess what i want to ask is like Someone who wants to invest for the first time, what's, what steps would you recommend to take for them to do um, to pretty much invest for the first time in a duplex? Like, if, like, I guess advice for two, the one that owns property and the one that doesn't own property. So the one that doesn't own property and saw a duplex, is very interested in it, uh, wants to buy it, and they already have someone who's willing to finance it. When it's a duplex... Um, I would recommend going with a mortgage company. Don't go with the banks. Banks, those commercial loans are meant for larger complexes. Okay. So when it's a house or a duplex, something small, I highly recommend going with a mortgage company. They typically have better rates. Um, They can give you 30 years as opposed to the banks here locally will give you like 15 to 20. Oh, shit. So, yeah, you're going to pay more interest in the long run, but... With your first starting off, you need to maximize your cash flow. You need to make sure your cash flow is good. You saw a duplex. Um, you're, you got someone to finance it. You have a mortgage company. They're ready to go after it. Now they're going to ask you, do the numbers make sense? You have a duplex. They're selling it right now for $300,000, let us say. Right. Um, you use something called a 1% rule. If they're selling it for 300000 can you rent that duplex? For can it make three thousand a month? Like pretty much cover like the the mortgage payment, right? Yeah. Like using this one percent rule, if you're buying it for three hundred thousand, that duplex has to generate you three thousand a month. Minimum. Minimum. Yeah. If you're if you it's two rooms and you know you're only going to get a thousand each out of them, the most you can offer on that property would be two hundred thousand. Yeah, because it's your first time. Oh shit! You have to you have to maximize your cash flow. A lot of people get upset because these big time investors three hundred like nothing cap, <laughs> but they're playing a long game. You're just starting off. You need to maximize cash flow. So don't even go into properties 
Don't get impatient and be like, oh, if there's nothing in the market, they keep beating me to it, let me get it. No, unless you know you're going to rent it and it's going to generate you at least 1% per month, I don't get it. So, okay, it's going to generate, you can rent each one for 1500 each. It's going to give you 3000 Great. Just with that 1% rule, the mortgage company will most likely approve you. Because it, just following that rule, you should be good. It's going to be very tough for them not to approve you. Now you're approved. Um, you're going to buy a duplex for 300000 You know how much it's going to get you per month. The second step. Now now comes the negotiation with the, with the mortgager, right? So he's going to tell you, okay, so your payment's going to be about 2100 a month. It's going to be principal insurance. Taxes are going to be like... 500 a month so now we're at 2600 Aaron you're going to have to pay the water the light like you're going to break even at the 300 like are you sure you want to do this yeah. for first time investing if you're looking at the principal the insurance and the taxes are pretty much like 2000 out of the 3000 that's okay a thousand dollar gain for you to literally do nothing just own this property that's a tremendous output yeah. like that's a really good output and a lot of people freak out you got the taxes fine you know what i'll pay the taxes at the end of the year why you got to pay it anyway yes but i want to maximize my cash flow monthly that's what you want right. so you tell them i just want to pay the principal and the interest then they tell you okay do you want to buy points no never buy Points. No way. On a, How on a, come? On an investment? Yeah. Never buy points. Really? I, I mean, I thought it would benefit because of the interest. You got points and it's going to reduce the interest. So you're, those same points that you'll buy, that eight, nine, twelve thousand more that you're going to put, that same amount is going to refinance you in two years when the interest drops. Because oh. the, the interest is this all the time. It's yeah. constantly up and down. I I always recommend unless it's your house and that's your the one thing you'll ever buy in your life. Okay, buy the points because you're ne- you don't plan to flip and reinvest. But as an investor for a commercial property, never buy points. Wow, man, this is like mind blowing. I, it's crazy because they're gonna charge you to lower it a point or two, eight, twelve k out of your pocket. The point is to make money. You yeah. have yet to make any money. And you're already putting down the down payment and you're buying points and this and that. And watching seven months, it dips. And you're like, why did I buy all these points? Why did I do that? That's why the initial investment is so important. The 1% rule is all you need. If, if, if in order to get this 1% rule, you got to buy points. You got to put 40% down. You got to put like you're maxing out everything. Bro, you're not making money. You're not. The point is the, the least down payment you can give. The smallest monthly payment you can give. Don't buy points. No additional fees. No, bare, bare, bare minimum when you're starting off. Because you need that monthly growth. Yeah, yeah. One, it's an encouragement factor. It feels good to make 800, 900 bucks a month yeah. for doing nothing. And two, the, the market, the guys that are lending you the money, they know. They, they know what's going to happen. They are about a month or two ahead of us. Despite them saying, like, ah, who knows how the market's going to go. It's their job to know. It's their job to study trends, to know exactly what's going to go on. So you're all good. You didn't buy any points. You already negotiated with him. You went back and forth on the interest rate. He gives you a 5.75. 
at this market a 5.75 awesome absolutely yeah, yeah it is even if he gets you like a 6.25 you're good if you're already hitting a 6.5 or up that kind of tells you that right now maybe you gotta lowball that offer a little bit more you gotta tell you talk to the talk to the agent talk to the owner whoever you're negotiating with hey look they're giving me a 6.5% interest I need this payment to drop if the owner really wants to sell he'll understand He'll be like, yeah, I want to get rid of this place. Just take it. But um, that's that's why the negotiating at the beginning is so important. That is what matters. Let me ask you this. So, I mean, since it's it's kind of hard to um, normally, whenever I I interview somebody, I always ask them like, you know, we, we when we start a business, we learn to the mistakes. It's kind of hard to make a mistake when you have a mentor, kind of making sure that you're not screwing up because they know what where something's gonna mess up. But even then, there's still something that we always learn, you know, through the process. Is there something that you're doing now? That you wish you had done when you first started investing. Yes, and it was negotiate harder. Negotiate harder. Yeah, you you will be so surprised what just lowballing an offer can do for you. Like the first the first vacant land I bought, I bought it for fifty nine thousand. It was my first one. Yeah. I was just happy to get it, and everybody kept telling me that's a great price. The corner over there is at sixty five, and that one sold for this. And now, so I'm like, oh man, like I'm so thankful I got it at such a good price. The second one I bought, same size lot, in the corner. It's just it was just in the south. This one was like Central Laredo. The other one's in the south. Yeah. I got that one for thirty eight thousand. Oh shit! Well, I, I know locations is everything though, right? I mean, it, but not twenty thousand less for the same piece of land. Right, right. And I'll tell you this: I rent both locations at the same price. Oh snap! Okay. So <laughs> you could see how that tremendously upset me. That man, I lowballed him. I said, what do I have to lose? I don't have the money anyway. I'll just lowball him. He took it. I was so surprised. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I could, I could have gone further. I, I, and that, from then on, I said, when I'm negotiating and it's my money and I'm putting it down, I'm going to go as low as I can. So the two lots I, the two lots that I, the last purchase I did, they wanted 130000 for those two lots. 130. I went to go see it. I was talking to him, and he told me, he's like, well, you give me an offer. I was like, let's do 110. I dropped him 20. Right. I was like, let's do 110. So that's 55 each. I didn't want to do it, but it was a big difference from 2019 to 2022. Like, yeah. it's, it's a difference. It is. Um, so I, I dropped him 20 without hesitation. Sounds good. Fuck. Once again, I'm upset because I'm like, I could have gone for a hundred or ninety. Yeah. So I was like, Let, let's go see the property. I had seen the property through pictures. I hadn't really gone. Since I plan to construct there, there's two things that are really important: the service of utilities, and uh, like like the available services of the utility, and also the grading. Yeah, like the flooding zone area and all that. Stuff. Exactly. So, um, and the utilities are real important because you have to hook up to the sewer line, the water line, and if it's across the street, you gotta break the whole street to do the connection, so all that matters. So after I put in that offer, I told him, hey, but let's meet up. Um, It was all verbal, I didn't, nothing, it was owner to owner. So I went to go see the property, I noticed that one side didn't already have a city sidewalk. So I had to pay for that sidewalk. Mm. And then I also got a utility report from the city and sure enough, the water line is across the street. So I got to cut a big chunk of the street to connect to the water line. So I spoke to him again. I was like, look, man, after 
seeing here, I kind of made an understatement. I'm kind of going to need to drop a little bit more because it's going to cost me like 7K for this stuff. So I can offer you 103. Sounds good. Once Dad. again. Once again. <laughs> once again, I oh, could have gone lower. Further. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Because I mean, keep in mind, it's not just you're not just investing money. You're also investing time. Yeah. You're investing the fact that like you still have to go back. You still have to make sure everything's going on. You still have to manage that no one's doing causing any further damage for the long run right but i mean at the moment you're like okay is this gonna cost me that much i already lowball twenty thousand. let me lowball another seven but down to it i mean because a lot i'm sure a lot of people haven't no one has said anything so far guys those of you who are listening live right now feel free to ask any questions you may have in regard of investing this may be of your best interest especially my realtor friends that are watching so going back what i'm saying is uh, a lot of people like that don't understand about business they're gonna be like oh well you should pay what you should pay like like business is business and you have to understand in order to come on top you know you have to make negotiations yeah i mean who's gonna i mean like who's gonna really like want to go make less when they can make more right but down to it it's like that's a whole part of the investing thing so i mean so that how long ago was it that you made that investment um with that property so and that, that was actually what i was going to ask you right now adhd always makes you bound one thing to another um the whole with the whole pipelines across the street you have to go through the city first to find out yeah you it's the utility department um so you just kind of send them an email like hey i'm interested in buying this property and since in the in the future it's going to service eight apartments where are the water lines where's the sewer line and then they just send you like a map and it shows you here's the sewer line here's the water line so if it's like on the property like where the dirt is well that's very cheap because the guy who's going to connect he just has to scrape dirt connect and that's it now when it's on the road you got to close the road you got to cut the road you got to connect it and then you got to put the road back so we have to re-asphalt the road it's got to be more than seven grand to do that so the the sidewalk that was going to be about a grand the sidewalk because it's 43 feet by four that was going to be like a grand the reason i calculated seven is because that's what the last connection cost me it cost me seven thousand. The last connection, and he had opened up the street, so I was like, "Well, I'm dropping seven because that's what the last construction cost me." But then again, me being like, eh, "He probably won't take it because I already dropped him twenty k. Right. He might not, and he he took it." And uh, I asked him because I wanted to know because if he's willing to go twenty seven thousand down, like what's going on? Like he was going to use that money to reinvest in his business. So the money now meant more to him than losing those 27K, like you were saying. Yeah. Like, he had his plans to do with that money. So the land meant more to me, but the money meant yeah. more to him. So one can't always put himself in his shoes like, man, because he probably needs the money. He probably No, he needed it now. Because as soon as we signed on that 103, I'm not going to lie, he wanted to close within 30 days. He wanted that money now. So I went asking the banks the lenders and try to work as fast as i can we ended up closing in 45 days because i was busting on everybody hey like i already you know i yeah. sir, i already saved 27k yeah. so i'm gonna make sure that i work as fast as i can because i know during that period of time somebody might call and be like that guy's crazy i'll give you 115 you know i could because they can back out right. even though they signed a contract they, they, they can back out 
anybody can back it. Right, absolutely. I mean, well, especially because I'm assuming there is no realtor involved no. in between this kind of contract, which, which leads me to this next question I want to ask. So why you've done investing? I mean, when you find these properties, um, is because you're, you're driving by or, or how do you go about that? Like, because you're driving by like, oh, there's a for sale sign or because someone told you, oh, I know a guy that wants to sell it. Because I mean, us as realtors, we have the MLS system, but there's so many properties that are not in the system that are for sale or for rent or whatnot. You know, the people that are for sale by owner type of deal. How do you run into those properties that you invest into to leave the realtor out? So this is what's really important about like first time investors. Communicating and networking doesn't have to be so official. When when you get together with a group of friends, family, relatives, uh, once you become an investment, I mean an investor, your your conversation become investment oriented. So when you talk to people, it might just be like, yeah, I'm interested in buying a lot. Hey, my buddy's selling like his old parents' house. Oh, really? Yeah, let's go check it out. You go check it out. All the properties I bought was literally either me driving by. Or someone who like does some the guy who does my stucco yeah. for my apartment complexes he told me about those two lots because he lived by there so um so and they they want me to keep buying property because I keep giving them the job so they keep getting work from me so they're very encouraging to, to for me to get that so once you start inve- the first the first one's the hardest but after that once you start communicating with subcontractors and contractors and other realtors. You, it starts opening up like a wide, wide range of it. So when you're first time investing, don't be shy about it. Don't like be like, ah, eh, like I'm kind of doing my own research, doing my own thing. Tell everybody what you're doing. Tell, yeah, tell your. Don't necessarily tell them your plans. Don't tell them your not vision. the plan. Just that you you want to invest into property. Yeah. That's it, yeah. right? Like, don't be like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, 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 and this. Like, yeah, because in the wrong ear is gonna hear like, oh shit, I heard this guy's gonna do that. Let me jump on that before he takes on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, you gotta be careful with that. But the majority of the time, you do get uh, the right people to guide you, and they'll be like, hey, you know what? I I do live near a lot for sale. Hey, you know, you should come check it out or whatever. Yeah. Um, so last I wouldn't worry. Too. Last time we spoke, uh, and and you blew my mind about this also in regards that it was about the LLC. Oh, okay. So like for everyone that's listening right now, like I'm sure if 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 you're n- new to real estate or you don't know much about real estate or investing, you probably thought the same thing like I did, which when it comes to like saying, um, so th- there's a thing when when you want to buy a property. If you have a job, you have to go by W-2 and you need to have at least two years with the job, proof of income. And it depends with whether you go FHA or conventional. Most commonly, a lot of people go with FHA to be able to pay less uh, in their down payment. But when it comes to having a business loan, uh, I'm sorry, a business and you try to put the property under your the property under your business, you know, it depends what kind of business you have. But let's say when it comes to an LLC, you know, it's your limited liability corporation that's going to cover you if the house is under your name and your business is through the LLC. Some people buy a house through LLC because their own name won't be enough, but their company can cover it to have that property. Now, like, let's say um, coming to, let's say you buy a property under under that LLC, what happens if someone within the business wants to sue you and then your house is under that LLC, right? And that's one of the biggest fears that a lot of people want to avoid is pretty much like, I don't want to lose my property because of X, Y, and Z 
uh, incompetence that they just whatever like they want to screw me over for whatever the last time we spoke was about having an LLC in your LLC that blew my mind bro I was like what like you can do that so can, can you tell me a little bit about that so what we were kind of talking about is like how we hold our assets and what's the responsible way to hold our assets and everyone's going to tell you don't have anything under your personal name don't have your vehicles don't have your real estate don't have your company nothing should be under your name when you sign a check off to someone that check should not have your name at the top right. that, that, that it should not be a personal check you should have a business bank account and you should have an llc holding uh, your investments now what i was talking about about having two llc's is pretty much like this so when you start investing in real estate or anything that you buy that's real property, whether it be land, commercial, or home, um, that uh, asset, you can buy it by your personal name. Right. Because a lot of people, um, they all their income is through their personal name. Like The way they generate wealth is through their personal name. So that's fine. You can buy the asset through your personal name. Once you buy your asset, at that point, now it's a, it's a ticking game. You have to move that asset from your personal name over to an LLC. And that LLC is just a holding LLC. That's what they call it. It's just going to hold your asset. The only thing it owns is that asset. That's it. So you can go to an accountant. I know there's websites where you could like do it on your own. But kind of talk to an accountant because uh, it is a pain to do it on your own. And some of them just upcharge you like 100, 150 bucks more than what it costs to do by yourself. It's better to not have that headache. Yeah. That's that's something. Never go cheap on the accountant, and don't go cheap on like um, you know the, the the tax attorneys and stuff like that. Don't go cheap on them. They're okay. Be friends with them. Be really cool with them. Yeah, because they're, they're gonna they're gonna make sure you don't fall down into like being broke, bankrupt, or whatever. Right? I mean, the idea is kind of like to stay on top. If you're gonna invest in yourself and you want to come on top, you're gonna pay the price for it. Right? You have to pay the price for it. So, uh, as far as like the LLC you were mentioning, so. So now the asset, we're going to put in an LLC, right? The accountant's like, okay, this is called an holding LLC. Great. You're all happy. I have my company, this and that. You don't operate through that LLC. You don't. That LLC is just holding the asset. That's it. It it does nothing else. Now, when you own real estate, you don't just own it. You manage it, right? So you're not just owning property. You're also doing a service, just like a roofer, a plumber, all that, they have an LLC for their company. So now that you're managing the property, because now you own it, you have to manage it, you create a management uh, company, and that's an LLC. So that uh, company is where the money comes in, money goes out. All the operating happens through that LLC. So the rents come into that LLC, the expenses go out that LLC. So that LLC is just you managing. So what's the importance of having the two? If something were to happen, and of course, this isn't the perfect system, but I find that this is the most beneficial way to do it. Um, And from the people I've spoken to, they've been very cool with doing this method. Because uh, of course, there's always attorneys, there are always legal matters, there's always insurance. Like, don't take this like this is solid stone. No, yeah. It's just better like this. So, we already said that this one's the holding LC, this holds the apartment. No money comes in or out of this. This is just holding an asset, it just owns it, that's it. 
And that's that's where you switch whatever's yours onto that LLC then, yes. right? Because I mean, I was gonna my, my one of my questions was gonna be like, let's say if you have. So do you have two separate LLCs or do you have an LLC under that LLC? No, two separate ones. Two separate LLCs. Yes, yeah, because from now on, that LLC that's holding those uh, that house or that duplex, that's it. Stays like that. And this one's still managing. And it can manage that LLC. And then when you buy another property, you buy another holding LLC. You have it there. So it manages this LLC and this one. So that's three LLCs. Yes, and this one is still managing everybody. So it's managing them. It's managing them, and it's so this management one. It doesn't own anything. This LLC doesn't own any assets. Your house is not under its name. No, all it does is just a company. It's just a company that moves money around, and that's pretty much it, right? Exactly. So when you make your contracts for renting, or you make your contracts for managing the property, or you're going to do work on the property, all that is done through here. So if something ever were to go wrong, you know, they would come after the LLC that's managing. Because technically, you hired that LLC to manage those properties. So this is the, this is the LLC that's responsible if something were to happen to these properties because that's the management. The same way you hire like a management company right. to manage your property, well, they're liable for when something goes on. So you as the owner would come to them. But we can't go over what they own in other properties. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So obviously, when you're starting off, you can't really afford a management company because <laughs> they're going to take like ten percent, fifteen percent, and that that's what you're living on. Yeah. So that's your little bread and butter. So, but as you grow, you'll start seeing like, uh, well, maybe it is beneficial to hire someone because of the amount that you have. But when you start off to be safe, you got your LLC holding that entity. No money goes in there. Nothing Nothing happens in there. Everything happens through the LLC that's just managing the properties. This is the one that does all the business uh, expenses and incomes, and that's it. And all of that, of course, needs to be um, explained or told to whomever is giving you the loan or so, right? I mean, okay, just so you know, I am buying this by my name, um, but it's got to go. It's going to eventually change to the LLC to avoid fraudulent, right? Yes. To avoid, like, I mean, because people are going to be like, oh, if, what if I get denied? Let me just say it's under my name, right? What what advice? Because, I mean, it, I know it's it's it, as simple as it may sound. I know it has more complications behind it, right? It's not yes. just like, okay, cool deal. Let me just open that LLC, and here you go. Like, no, there's a little more complication to that, right? Correct. And that's why it's very important. To, to have this group of people with you. When you find a mortgage lender, somebody who really wants to work with you, keep working with them, tell him your ideas, tell him what you wanna do, and th- you'll be surprised of like how they'll guide you or how they'll tell you how it works. But yes, you're absolutely right. When you buy something under your personal name, because you're the source of income, and you transfer it over to a holding LLC, you must notify the lender. You have to, because now the title is under a different name. So you have to, you have to, any ch- anytime there's a change of title, yeah. Yeah, it's, you, you have to notify the lender because the lender is the one holding the title. Here right. in the state of Texas, they still hold it. We're just allowed to get equity out of it. But they, st- they hold the title until you pay off that property in full, then, then you could do whatever you want. You can open up LLCs left. You don't have to tell anybody because yeah. it's yours. But as long as you have a lender, anything you do, you should advise the lender. And the reason um, to also, that's also beneficial to be in constant communication with the lender is because he also knows the latest updates as far as like maybe re-amortizing the loan. You could talk to him like, hey man, I don't want to lose this duplex, but it's, I'm, I'm not making any money. Like I'm barely breaking even. 
Can we re-amortize? Do I have enough equity? How are interest right now? Do should we refinance? What? And they don't want you to lose it, right? Because they don't necessarily want the property. They they want you to keep paying them interest. Right. Like that. That's what they want. Um, it's very rare that they'll be like, nah, yeah, give it up to me. Like foreclosure. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody really wants foreclosure. Nobody. No, hell no. Who the fuck wants to give yeah. up something they invested so much money into? Because I know there's like a, there's like one and a half acres that's selling by like United South. Um, and I know IBC has had it for like two years already. And they've been trying to sell it. And it's dropped so much in price. Like it's a foreclosed plot of land. Yeah. Is there any reason why it hasn't sold? I mean, normally if it's been two years, there must have been a huge amount that must have dropped. So, but I mean, there's a reason why nobody has bought it. The only thing I could think about, and it, it, I know they're mad because they're like, we foreclosed on this property and nobody wants it. I think the reason nobody wants it is because its zoning is R, uh, uh, R1. Yeah. And who's going to build a house on 1.3 acres yeah. over there by uh, Los Presi? It's in the middle of a subdivision. So it's meant to be like cut into plots, yeah. but the way it's like configured, yeah. it's uh, it's it's almost useless. The, the the smart thing to do there was someone buy it and maybe rezone it to allow like apartments or something. Yeah. But right now it's dead, and that's a perfect example of like foreclosed land that just everybody lost in this situation. The bank lost because they're sitting on it. Yeah, it's uninvestable. But there, the bank should have told the investor before he lost it, hey. Rezone it. Hey, what can we do? Hey, can we drop your payment? No. The bank ended up just keeping dead land. And they have it there. And they keep dropping in the price, dropping in the price because nobody wants it. Yeah. So don't worry. Don't let yourself get into that point where I can't afford it. I don't know who to talk to. Talk to your lender. Talk to the accountant. Talk to somebody. Don't ever let, it, don't ever let your investments fall like ever and what's what homework do you give yourself to look at like say oh you know what i want to buy this duplex you know um you have to make your research you have to make sure in the long run it's going to benefit you you have to make sure it's not going to screw you over what homework or type of like um steps you usually take to make sure like you know it's guaranteed a win like i mean to say the zoning to make sure that like like let's say you're top five bulletins to say like it needs to make sure it has this it needs to make sure it's like that like so my number one is the number one rule that's number one if they're asking you can immediately tell if it's a ridiculous price four four plexes right now they want 400k and you call how much are they rented for 750 each so it generates 3,000 and you're selling it for 400,000 you already broke the the 1k rule so I don't even proceed because I don't see myself dropping them from 400 to 300 I don't see that I don't see myself doing that so I'm like there I the, the number one percent rule don't even waste any time if it doesn't hit that so it has to hit one percent monthly every month it has to generate not net gross like it just has to make 3k yes you got to pay all these things but it just has to gross the one percent the second thing always look at the property the pictures are honestly not that they're deceiving but they're obviously going to show you the high points so when you go, and especially when you see houses, you're like, oh, the pretty lighting, and oh, look at the, the, the doors, like the doorknobs. No, no, no. Look at what's important. What's important is the construction. How is the home being held up? Is it being held up by siding? Is it being held by brick? Or is it being held by stucco? Those are your three types of interiors. The three types of interiors and the three types of roofing, which is shingles, the aluminum, 
and the 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 barro, the clay. Yeah. The barro that's the top end stuff. If it's if it has a barro roof and um, the brick uh, walls, it's, it's impenetrable. That thing's gonna be there for another hundred years. So that's great. If you see one that it's aluminum roof and has siding, that's about 20 years. That's about 20 years. Yeah. Um, so you have to have a little bit of experience in your construction materials. Hey, why did they put aluminum? Hey, and if anyone tells you, that's what they're using now. Well, what were they using 20 years ago when they made the home? Because you obviously changed it at this point. Like, yeah. so something's not working. So... Number two, you got to know the exterior construction. Don't worry so much about the interior. The interior can always be fixed. It's, it's sheetrock. It's not that bad. Right. The exterior is what's important. You got to make sure. Uh, third, it's not too common anymore, but um, the, the amount of parking. Now homes are regulated. Now duplexes are regulated. Everything post like 20, like 2005 forward, they have the allowable parking. But older complexes for investment, you'll see that they have no parking. No way. Because, I, I mean, a lot of apartment complexes I've seen, like, they have, like, four complexes, only four, par- only four car parking. Like, and that's, that's, that's hard. That's a big red flag because that's, that's one of the top complaints you get in property management. They come home from a late shift at the hospital. Imagine you get home, you're dead tired. Where do I park? I have to park my... Uh, my SUV on the street where it's going to get scratched where it's going to get that's a big big tenant turnoff. like they do not like that they can't park I have complexes that have like three times the required parking and they still complain about parking no because they want to park they, if they this park is right in front of the door if this is their door they yeah they want to park yeah. right there so number three parking the adequate parking is very important like you got to make sure the property allows for it there's a lot of stuff that sells downtown and downtown where it's like the one-way street yeah. and the the front doors are on the sidewalks and they're selling them like if they were over here where they had the parking and they have the space and they're selling them at the same price so that's like a dead investment like downtown is a dead yeah, investment. I, I, i've noticed a lot of doors have been like i mean just gated up shut down not no activity nothing but i'm guessing because they're asking for a ridiculous sales price because it's downtown there's a lot of you know activity there's a lot of um traffic as far as people going by but at the end of it it's like you're only having tours you're not having people interested in that not at location. all not at all and uh, parking is a big deal with it like that i know that's the biggest killer if there was if there was sufficient parking we wouldn't have so much of an issue downtown but we do because there isn't any uh, the fourth thing I would say is once you tour the building, so it has good siding, it has good parking, it's the 1% rule. Once you tour the property, what's really important is when you go in there, a lot of people are seeing with their eyes, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Smell is one of, like you can ask a tenant when they first go into a place, they, they, they want to smell. This is my apartment. This is my home. If it smells like moldy fridge moldy sheetrock you could smell the leak you could smell old walls like walk into an old building take a deep breath and know what old smells like because these home flippers oh boy like they just repaint recock and call it a day but even unless they take down the sheetrock they can repaint all you want you'll still smell that old building smell so if you don't know what that smells like just go to an old building downtown take a deep breath so you can know what old smells like because old means mold termite bad drywall 
just bad circulation in the air. Um, all those things. It's going to cause a lot of problems. Expensive ass problem. Yeah. And I would say the last thing, the last thing you would do, and this is kind of like, um, it's kind of like a comparative uh, market. Be like, okay, am I, is it right now a good time for me to tie down 20% down into this property? Or could there be something better? So the last thing would just be like, is my money best invested in this? And if you said yes to all five things, think you're good to move on. And that's for those are uh, duplexes and complexes, right? Now, let me ask you one of the as far as last questions. It's what it, it's two different worlds, but as far as like investing in commercial properties, like have you touched around that uh, subject or in that kind of uh, property? Like commercial, as in like condos? Well, no, no, no. Like like commercial, like like this building oh like suites and warehouses and stuff like yes. that so i have been looking into warehouses now uh because um i do notice that because when it comes to renting and property management it all matters about the square footage if i if i have suites right commercial suites right and i have a chocloroteca i have a, a bookstore i have this and that the suites are like a thousand square feet but they'll pay me three thousand in rent that's three dollars a square, square foot. foot. Yeah. That's amazing. That's Apart- what they're charging right now. That's crazy. And apartments will go for like a dollar twenty, a dollar fifty, a dollar eighty at the highest. Yeah. And with apartments, well, it's a lot of maintenance too, because you got the fridge, the stove, the AC, the water heater. With these suites, you're just giving them a barren room, like they have nothing to do in there, because the AC is like for the whole building, not for the suite. So when you're looking into those investments, yeah, do keep in mind like warehouses. Obviously, you're not going to be renting at $3 a square foot. It's yeah. going to be like, to what, $0.25? Cents? So, but what's the maintenance on a warehouse? Nothing. Not even AC. Like, some warehouses have Book nothing. an iron body. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, those investments, just narrow it down to how much you're getting per square foot. That's what's important. Yeah, because I've seen uh, a lot of um, commercial properties, but like six million, three million. I mean, there's some that go for like two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand. But I mean, just out of my curiosity, checking out the system, and I see like holy shit, and it's like out of the city, right? Like, um, like six million, like holy shit. I mean, I think if I'm not mistaken, they had like a good amount of acres, right? I mean, those are good for import exports. But I mean, I was just curious to think like. Damn, like to invest six million on a warehouse. Obviously, there should there's a reason for it. There's like I guess because Laredo being the the city of import exports, that where just the city passes by for you know transportations and whatnot. But yeah, as far as like the commercial wise, um, so you have looked into into yeah, and and to be honest, I've still applied the one percent rule even on the warehouses and stuff like that. I've still done the one percent rule. I'm not too familiar with expenses of warehouses and stuff like that, yeah. but I know what they rent for. Yeah. So that that's what's key. As long as you know how much money's coming in and how much money you expect to get out, you're pretty good. So in anything you do, just know how much is it going to bring in, how much is it going to go out. Okay, cool, man. Hey, like as far as all of this information is super useful from for realtors, for anybody who are investors. Guys, feel free. I, I do I do plan, guys, to bring Aaron later on once again because, I mean, this is very interesting information. Who doesn't want to pretty much invest for the long term for their kids and going on from there? Because, I mean, this is very good information. I know last time you mentioned that you've planted the seed on a lot of people. And as far as it's so useful, it's just... 
Oh, like one year and not the other, right? And it's the same thing. Like, just like this podcast itself, whenever I give you guys tips about workouts and nutrition and the water and how to invest and about what to surround yourself with, um, you get a lot of value. But uh, at the end of it, it's just if it not cuesta nada, pues you're not going to do anything, right? And, and, that's why we have to keep as us that we spread the word and we you know put these seeds out to everybody it's our obligation to show right. we have to keep grinding yes. until the, the the light bulb turns on in them yes. because you could tell them but they'll be like eh, well you're still coming up you're still coming up once you get to a certain point then you'll see how they the seeds start everyone starts looking for you and not only that like now like unfortunately because like before it's like i'm giving you free information later on like you're gonna be so busy and it's like hey can you give me that information well now i actually have a a master plan class you can join for 200 well you were giving it to me for free last time right back then when i was coming up but now there's I have students for this, right? Like, and, and not just that, Chris. What's really important to know is that what we're talking about today is valid today. Yes. Five years from now, the same thing. We're not going to have the same conversation. It'll be different. Right. That's why it goes back to checking the market daily. Right. Because even though we're checking it daily, after a year of progression, you'll see a big difference from when you first started looking to a year from now. So all we're talking about, it's good now because that's what the market we know. It's right now. But now with this, I mean, with these changes and people are like, eh, it doesn't apply to me. It doesn't work. How do you know? How do you know? Because these regulations that we keep ignoring have gotten us to this point with the bankings and failure and everything. It's a bunch of people saying, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And look where we are now. Exactly. So you have to constantly be checking. And what's good now is good now. But that doesn't mean it's going mean, to be good, good later. Right. That's why. I mean, and that's, I mean, of course, that's the whole idea of keeping up with the market because it's that we got to stay up there. I mean, just life itself, you know, like the way we used to run things, the way we used to market things, the way we used to commercialize things, uh, everything, everything's always going to change. I mean, and like you said, the, the market itself, just look what happened three years ago, isn't what it is now. 2008, same thing when it collapsed, like it was. So you're right. The, and it's always going to change around. And who knows? I know for, for sure. The way the way things are going right now, and I I could be wrong because I mean the market later on is gonna have its thing again, but it's gonna be more complicated as we go on. Banks are getting more complicated to loan or give loans for homes. Is it getting more complicated? There's more documents required. There's certain percentage, like back then, you know, it's like oh you need a loan here you go go buy a house. Now it's like, oh, well, where do you work? How much you make? Okay, cool deal. Go buy a house. Oh, where do you work? How long have you been working there? How much are you making? All right, cool deal. Go buy a house. All right, where are you working? How long have you been working there? How much are you getting paid? How long are you going to be working there? For? Like, Do you plan to make future investments? They'll start seeing into the future as well. And no, it's – so just to make it – summarize it very quick. In 2019, it was a time for constructing because construction material was cheap. Land was affordable and everything. But I wouldn't give that same advice now. Yeah. If you notice right now, I'm not like, hey, go buy an empty lot and go build. And yeah. No, I wouldn't give that advice right now because right now the single lots are like in the 80s, 85. And, and now the banks, they used to let me use that as 20% collateral and I would 4X my leverage. I would put in 20, they would put, it, I would put in 20, they would put in 80. Right. Now they're asking for 30 to 35 and they put in 65 or 70. So the, the, so the people that I was talking to then and telling them this was the way, and now they're like, yeah, I want to get one well, now is different. Yeah. It was not like it was. And it wasn't like when my dad started back in, you know, the late 90s. Right. Uh, it was very different back then, too. 
So it's so that's it. Just goes back to what we're saying. Like it's gonna keep changing, and it's gonna keep getting more complicated. Yeah, yeah. Yo, Aaron, I appreciate you. You know, coming in today to pretty much provide as far as this episode, providing everybody value in regards of investment to pretty much get an idea as far as what your world is like, man. I do look forward to having you back real soon. As the market is changing, as we're becoming more experienced realtors, because that's gonna be another subject I would love to talk about from your real estate world and then your investors world, because yeah. now you are in the best of both worlds yeah. alright as boys Chris and Unleash you guys thank you so much for tuning in with Unleash Owner's Mindset with Chris and Unleash with Aaron today I hope you guys got some value if you did feel free to share this tag any friends that you know that might like this type of content for next episode thank you guys so much for tuning in and y'all take care